Hi everyone and welcome to Making Miracles Charities podcast, Baby Loss, Grief and Love. We're the first UK baby loss charity to start a podcast. We're relatable, professional and knowledgeable. Our team is here to aim to support you and the whole family through trauma and baby loss. We have a range of people on our podcast such as healthcare professionals, counsellors, families with lived in experience and much, much more. To take part, please contact me, Kelly at makingmiracles.org.uk. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's podcast. So today we're going to be wrapping up, I guess, with our discussions around IVF. But that doesn't mean to say that that's it and we're never going to talk to anyone who's been through IVF or lost a baby through IVF But again. Um, it merely is that um, this has all been really worked out quite well really with um, who we've had coming on the show it's been really great and it's really taught me some things as well and hopefully some listeners so today we have the lovely Chantelle coming back and she is a past service user so we met five years ago yeah. so a long time it was a long time <laughs> and it's so lovely I was just sitting here then before we were trying to work it out weren't we yeah. how long we've known each other and it's just so lovely that you've gone on and you've obviously you've got your positive outcome yeah. and you've um still kept in touch with us still come along to our events still very much part of the family of making course. miracles <laughs> and it's just lovely to have you on and um we're so grateful for you coming along and sharing today yes. but um we want to re- rewind really five years and why we met yeah so do you want to share with us why you came to Making Miracles in the first place uh, yeah so I have polycystic ovaries so I don't ovulate by myself um, so I tried uh, lots of medication first before I went to IVF um, and then I think it was around the third or fourth round I actually fell pregnant with twins um, had a lot of bleeding at the beginning so obviously a lot of checkups and then when they were about nine weeks I think they said that there was no heartbeat and obviously I could take a choice of having them medically removed or just wait for nature to take its course uh, so obviously I struggled with that, thinking that now I'm pregnant, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so I think it was one of my friends that actually mentioned you because she had seen you in Gravesend. Um, and that's how we met through the counselling, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So for you, what did you find particularly difficult? With IVF, um, with the whole process, really. So I think when you first hear of IVF, you assume it's some magical thing that's going to give you the baby when actually, matter of fact, it's a lot harder than even trying naturally. It doesn't just happen for everyone. Mm. And to go through that many rounds as well. I mean, how many have you had in total? Uh, five all together. Five all together. And was yeah. some of that funded? or? Um, so the first four was funded and then the fifth one is the one that we got the baby um we paid for but I was quite lucky to get the fourth one it was only because I had got OHSS um which my ovaries overstimulated and caused fluid in my tummy so they had to cancel it and gave me the fourth one because one got cancelled right okay so when you obviously get that positive result you think amazing yeah that's it <laughs> this is this is it it's yeah. working and then to be told obviously like some people do through falling pregnant naturally yeah at nine weeks that there is no heartbeat where where did that leave you because I mean what an investment I mean and I mean an investment yeah. in the time and the energy and going through all those 
taking the drugs, doing the injections, appointments. Yeah. It's it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, I was devastated. Like now, even sometimes people just don't talk about baby loss, so I didn't think it was ever going to happen. I've never had anyone in the family that have had it. So it was just a new thing that I had to deal with and I didn't really have much support through the IVF, let alone baby loss. Yeah. I felt like there was no one to turn to or no one that knew what I was going through at the time. Yeah. So were the clinics not involved with that side of things? Um, They offered counselling, but it was just, to them, it's they see it all the time, so there's no personal experience they just tell you that it happens to everyone we can just try again but I think once it happened and then I lost them I was in two minds if I wanted to try again because I didn't want to have to go through all of it again to then lose another baby well you're you're making yourself so vulnerable yeah and you know when you've lost a baby like you say you were a bit naive to it before that because you've not even thought about it really it's not spoke about enough and then to go through it and understand it and know just how tough and how that left you emotionally and yeah. your mental health. Yeah. To then go, oh, I'm going to open myself up to it again and make myself vulnerable that I now know the reality is that this could happen to me again. Yeah, it was difficult. Um, but obviously after I met you guys and all the other people that you help, it made me push to do it again and... To be fair, as much as I say that I probably wouldn't have gone again, I couldn't give up the dream of being a mum and having a baby for myself. Mm. So how was this in your relationship? Did you deal with things the same way as your partner did? Um, No, so my partner isn't very emotional um, kind of person, so he just kind of pushed it back and just carried on with life. But then for me, I'm very emotional, so he didn't really... I wouldn't say give me the support. He did. He just didn't know how to open up and talk about what I was going through because he would rather just forget. Mm. Put it to the back of his head and yeah. carry on. Yeah. So how long was it between these cycles? Because obviously you went through quite a lot before you got the positive result yeah. with the twins. How long has this journey taken you? Um. So I first started trying in 2016 and then IVF was in 2017. Um, so it was um, one after the other. So I think they left it like a month in between each cycles after the periods um, to then go for another one. But then after I lost the twins, I didn't go back for another year or so. Before. So it took you a good year yeah. to, to make that decision? To go back, yeah. And was your partner in the same mind as you or were you both? Um, he was very much like, no, let's try again. Because they said we could wait another two periods before we can go again. And he wanted to try, but I knew that I wasn't emotionally or physically ready to Mm. even think about doing it, let alone actually doing it. Yeah, and it's a lot, isn't it? The whole, I mean, we spoke about it in um, Becky's podcast and again in um, Vicky's, and it's the whole going through those motions of, it's it's the medical side of it, isn't yeah. it? Rather than trying naturally, yeah. which again can be really difficult um, when you're trying j- just for a baby, yeah. Um, and take that emotional side out of it for for both partners. Yeah. But I guess with IVF, it's so much more medical and clinical. Yeah. It's kind of like it just happens to you, and it's not really within your control. Yeah, I think through IVF, once you started, I was in and out of there for every two days for blood tests just to check the levels and obviously because it was in London it's quite a travel mm. 
and doing it while I was working at the same time. So I was trying to travel, then coming back for work. It was draining. Yeah, much stress. Say, yeah. <laughs> stress of it all. And this last time, obviously, you paid for it. So you've yeah. got the economical side as well. Yeah. So how much was that, if you don't mind me asking? Um, so we obviously had eggs and embryos stored, so we didn't have to pay for that. So I think we paid about 3000 But if we didn't have any eggs or anything stored, it would have been up to like six. So the whole fresh cycle as such, start to finish, is about six. Yeah. But because you had some in the bank, yeah. it was kind of half price. Yeah. But the thing is as well, what if that hadn't have been successful, and we're so happy, obviously, yeah. that your beautiful daughter's here, but if that hadn't, where would that have left you? Because I, 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 this it is took one us bit a long time to save up this money. So if it didn't happen, I think we still wouldn't even be able to save up now or have yeah. nearer the amount that we would need. This is what just like baffles me because I'm just like, how do people financially do this? Yeah. It is so expensive. We put everything on hold, holidays. Um, we were still in a one-bedroom flat. We didn't want to move, even though we wanted to move for more yeah. room for a baby. But we put everything into there. We were both working like double shifts just to try and get the money together. So it's real sacrifices yeah. to get that end result it of is, a baby. Yeah. It's a lot, isn't it? It is. And that must put so much pressure on you, not just you individually, but you as a couple. Yeah, we were always arguing because we were just overtired and mm. trying to do everything that we could. We weren't going out with friends because obviously we wanted to save. It was difficult, but it worked out in the end, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about that cycle and how it all went and that pregnancy, really. Um. So... I didn't have to have any of the injections. It was just the case of waiting for my normal cycle to return. Um, so then I started on medication to stop my ovaries from producing so there weren't more eggs in there. Um, and then to shut the body down, then you have to rebuild it back up so then your hormones are fluctuated again. And then we had a scan to check that everything was okay, but they actually found scar tissue from the miscarriage left over. So I had to then go back again to have it stopped to check it. Um, everything was fine. So then I think it was in within two weeks they said, okay, now you're ready to have your linings okay, ready to have it put back in. But at the time that we had it, um, it was COVID, so Simon wasn't allowed in the room. Oh, so I had to have the transfer by myself, which I've never done by myself. So we didn't get to see the embryo put in. Um, How was that doing that on your own? It was difficult. He was there, obviously. He was outside. But at the same time, when they're getting it ready, you're in this clinical room on a bed with no one around you that you knew, just the screen. Um, but l luckily, I had a very nice doctor. He was very talkative, so it made me feel at ease. But then outside... There was no excitement. Like last time we would look at the pictures, but Simon obviously didn't see the picture, so I had to say, like, this is them putting it in. Now, yeah, it was difficult, but... So it's almost like Simon was detached from it even yeah. more so, because IVF is quite detached anyway, isn't it, as a couple? You yes, go through it the is. different things, almost. <laughs> different stages. At different yeah. stages, but separately. Yeah. And that putting the eggs in is that time that you can enjoy that moment together. Yeah. And that got taken too. Yeah. So so when you found out you were pregnant? Um, so I think I was – so you wait 14 days from when you've had a transfer, and that's when I found out. Originally, it actually come back negative, but then as we left the test for a little bit, it come back 
um, with a lion. So obviously I took it early in the morning, woke Simon up, um, rung the clinic and they said, oh, it could be a false positive. So then you have to then wait 24 hours to do another one. And then that's when it come back darker. Mm. So that must just have been like, oh my God, moment. Yeah. But at the same time, as much as I was excited, I couldn't get overly excited because I knew that this is what happened before. Yeah. Uh, whereas Simon was very positive. He was like, this is it. That's it. We've got our baby. But I just couldn't get to that stage yet. I think it's it's that self-protection, isn't yeah. it, of that I know what could happen and I don't want to fully commit myself 100% yeah. and make my heart wide open and feel all that love and that joy yeah. to let that someone potentially may snatch that away from yeah. me again. So when did you start to believe and trust that this was actually happening? Um, really, if I'm honest, probably not until I was 12 weeks because you have very hardly hear that you can lose a baby after 12 weeks is what we thought shall I say but it was very difficult because again I had as soon as it got to the six weeks mark I was bleeding again um went to A&E because there was clots um so obviously then that was it in my mind I had already lost the baby without even knowing yeah, and already having that heightened anxiety. Yeah. That must have been really triggering to it have was, that As soon again. as I got the pain, I said to Simon, I know what this pain is, I know what's happening. Because I got the pain before I got the actual bleeding. Mm. And went up to A&E and they were like, no, it's fine, everyone bleeds. It could be nothing. But in my mind, they were lying. I, they were just trying to make me feel better. Mm. So how long did that bleeding go on for? Did it go on for? I actually had it for the whole 12 weeks. I don't think it stopped until maybe like 10 weeks, but there was spotting. But at that point, I knew that she had a heartbeat. It was fine. But still really anxious time. Yeah, very. So fast forward, how how was the birth and everything like that? Everything went Um, well? So when Hope was 20 weeks, uh, when I was 20 weeks pregnant, we found out that she had a heart murmur. Um, so obviously they said that we had to go back to London. Um, fast forward a bit more, but it's all closed. Um, then when it got to the birth, her heart rate was dropping. Um, so I had to have an emergency C-section because I wasn't coping, she wasn't coping. And then I had a reaction to the um, anaesthetic, so I didn't actually get to hold her from the get-go. So a uh, couple weeks after I got postnatal depression, um, but they said it's because of all of everything that I had gone through before and mm. then not being able to be with the baby straight away. Yeah. It obviously has kicked all the emotions off. Yeah, and I suppose that bonding that you'd kind of paused at the beginning because you wanted to protect, Yeah. then you went full in and then you didn't have that bonding when she was born. Yeah. So that must have been really difficult. It was very difficult. I don't think it was until she was two weeks old that I realised that I actually had postnatal depression. Um, did you get support for that? I did through the midwife, yeah. Good. So how are you now? Um, we're good. Um, you couldn't separate us both, to be fair. And we have a really good relationship. Brilliant. Yeah. So come full circle from that place where we met five years ago and I mean how old is she now she is nearly two (laughs) yeah so even that first couple of years from when we met to getting her yeah it's been a journey it has a tough journey 
And but you, I wouldn't change it. No, no, of course not. And obviously a big supporter of the charity. We're really grateful. Yeah. And we're really grateful for you sharing your story. And, you know, I guess to everyone out there that's going through IVF, is there any advice you'd give? Um, maybe at the beginning when someone's first going, it just bear in mind that it's no magical cure. Um, there is things that can happen, but just keep pushing through. Um, but there is lots and lots of support out there. I actually found IVF support on Facebook. There's like two groups of people in the same situation having IVF for different reasons. Mm. So no IVF journey is the same for everyone. No, and indeed no birth journey is the same yeah. for anyone, is it? Or no pregnancy loss journey is the yeah. same for anyone. So individual and so much, I guess, with IVF, so much intervention yeah, from outside places. That's really great. There's some Facebook groups. Maybe you could send them to me yeah, and we could link them with the post. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. Um, and again, I think you're open to people reaching out to you aren't of course, you yeah. so if anyone does want to reach out um you can do that through me so if you email um kelly at makingmiracles.org.uk i can put you in touch with any of our um guests that will happily help you on your journey or provide you with some insight if you're about to go on that journey or if you have just lost through ivf what what that may look like for the future um and, you know, getting that time, I guess, was quite important for you between your loss and going again, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I don't think if I had the support from you guys that I would go back. Oh, that's a really... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we're glad we you found us and that you did go back. And obviously you have hope now. Yeah. So a lovely story, really. Yeah. Um, for anyone out there that needs any support, please, as always, reach out to us. We are Making Miracles. We are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And, um, you know, we have listeners now all across the world, which is lovely. <laughs> and even if you are across the world and you're out there and you're lonely and isolated, you can email us. So please don't feel um, you can't if you're not UK-based or not Kent-based. We are very much here to help as many people as we can and to support you. So thank you so much for coming on. No problem. And I will see speak to, I won't see you all soon. I will speak to you all soon. <laughs> thank you.